invite you to turn your Bibles this morning to the first chapter of the book of Romans. Follow along as I read verses 16 and 17. Quite a declaration of faith here by the Apostle Paul. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. As I read that passage of Scripture, my mind goes back to a, a day when I was in junior high school and at the local swimming pool with my best friend and a hot summer afternoon. We were sitting on a blanket and his girlfriend was there. Now, her name was Kathy and she was one of the smartest girls in the whole school. And uh, some, somehow the conversation came around to spiritual things. We were talking about the Bible and creation and God and, and the Lord Jesus. And my, brother, my, my friend was a believer as well. And she laughed at us. She, she mocked us. Saying, you don't really believe that everything's created by God, do you? You don't really believe that that book that was written so many years ago can, can really be trusted in everything that it says. You don't really believe that if you just put your trust in Jesus that you're going to be guaranteed going to heaven. In fact, how do you even know that there's a heaven? And she let, Did I mention she was smart? She was smart but foolish. She was smart, and, and, and she mocked us something fierce that day. And I, I've got to tell you that I didn't like it. That's the first time I'd ever been laughed at for what I believed. In fact, at that point in my life, I don't know that I'd ever really opened up and told that many people about what I, I believed. And, and she mocked us, and she laughed at us. And I didn't like it a bit, and I'll be honest, made me feel a little bit foolish and put, put a few questions in, in my mind. I hadn't bumped into anybody like that before. Did I mention she was smart? One of the smartest girls in the school. That's what she was known for. And, and she mocked us. And, and I didn't like it. And it made me feel a little foolish and, and raised some questions and a little bit reluctant to talk about God and the Bible and Jesus. And I've got to tell you, that, that particular moment, I don't know that I could have claimed Romans 1, 16 and 17 as being a reality in my life. Thank the Lord. It didn't take too much getting into the, the too much more getting into the, some Bible study and talking things over with the Lord and a few people that I respected to help gain the kind of confidence, once again, that the Apostle Paul expressed here in Romans chapter 1, in these two great verses, what a great declaration of faith he lays out there for us. And, and really, it's, it's a good thing that he had this kind of confidence because as Paul's looking forward to going to Rome, and he's writing to these people that, that live in Rome, uh, Rome was a, a center of, of idolatry and emperor worship and the worship of many gods. It was a city, city noted for anti-God philosophers, a city noted for immorality and debauchery. And it was a city uh, from which the Jews had all been expelled for disputes that had arisen in that city 
over Christ. And the ancient historian talks about Crestus, which I'm sure is talking about Christ. So it, it was not a city that had any favoritism towards the gospel or towards Jesus, and, and which Paul could be, be expected to be open by in, in that city with, with open arms except by the believers there in Rome. And, and in that city, God did have a church. God did have a body of believers. And as Paul looks forward to going to Rome, with the, he expresses tremendous confidence that you and I can have today is laid out in this particular verse where it says that he is not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation. And as we consider that passage today, we find that he has a number of reasons, five reasons he lays out here that he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. Five reasons you and I don't need to be ashamed of the gospel. And in fact, when he uses that, that phrase, he says, I'm not ashamed, it's kind of an understatement. And it's not the idea that, that he would be ashamed at all, but rather, in actuality, he's excited about sharing the gospel. He's excited about the gospel. He's passionate about the gospel. He's enthusiastic about sharing the gospel. And so this, this idea of not ashamed is an understatement. He's anything but ashamed. If he ever gets the opportunity, he's ready to preach the gospel of God. He's ready to let it go forth. And uh, we find the five of the, well, actually six reasons he lays out here. The person of the gospel, power of the gospel, purpose of the gospel, possibilities of the gospel, presentation of the gospel, and prospect of the gospel. I think I got my numbering off there, but don't worry about that. First of all, we find that the, the gospel is all wrapped up in a person. When he talks about the gospel, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the gospel. Jesus is the good news. And if you understand who Jesus is, he's God who, who saw fit to come and visit our planet. He took upon himself the form of a man, became fully man, became the God-man. God came down here to this earth to rescue you and me. He came into this world to rescue us. We needed rescued. Jesus came to rescue. If you're, if you're in need of being rescued, isn't it good news if somebody comes to rescue you? you know, I used to watch the old cowboys and Indian programs on television and you know, the, the cowboys would be in dire straits, and here comes the Calvary to the rescue. Well, I'll tell you what, Jesus is a whole lot better than the Calvary. He came to our rescue, and the gospel's all wrapped up in him. Without him, there would be no good news for man. And it's sad today, we live in a world where they want Christianity without Christ. You know, people don't want to be stolen from. People don't want to be lied to. People don't want to be cheated on. They, they, they want things like that, but they don't necessarily want Jesus Christ. We find we live in a world where the world wants good news from God without the Son of God. Well, I'll tell you what, without the Son of God, without the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no good news for man. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, what's the gospel of Jesus Christ? Laid out for us very simply in 1 Corinthians 15, the first four verses there, where it talks about the fact that uh, Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures. He rose again, according to the Scriptures. When he died on that cross, it was so our sins would be punished. And he rose again to prove that he is exactly who he claimed to be, and that his sacrifice was accepted. And the good news is, if we will put our trust in him, God has promised to forgive us. 
God has promised to redeem us and give us the gift of eternal life. Isn't that good news? That's good news. And it's all wrapped up in Jesus. Without him dying for our sins, we got to pay for our own sins. Without him rising from the dead to prove that he is God and to prove that the sacrifice was accepted, we got no hope. The gospel is all wrapped up in him, and we need to place our faith in him to be our Savior. Apart from Jesus Christ, God has no good news for any man or for the world. Uh, only a fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation. Without Jesus Christ, man's in bad shape. All man can look forward to is an eternal hell. And Hebrews chapter 12 verse 29 says, Our God is a consuming fire. I want to see Christ as my Savior and God as my Heavenly Father, not as a consuming fire and a judge. We find that Jesus is the gospel. The world wants Christianity without him. Uh, they want good news from God without the Son of God. But apart from Christ, there's no good news for the world whatsoever. The gospel is also called here the power of God. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because, because, here's the reason, it is the power of God unto salvation. Now, he started talking to Romans, Roman people about power. They knew something about power. Rome was recognized as being a superpower, a world power on earth at that time. They were the dominant nation, the dominant empire. The Roman Empire had spread throughout the Mediterranean world. The Romans had conquered Israel, and they had conquered even far east of Israel. The Romans had spread clear up into the modern-day Europe and France and England, conquered those areas. And they were a tremendous power. Even God recognized the power of Rome. Back in the book of Daniel, when he gives Nebuchadnezzar a vision of a succession of world empires, when it comes to symbolizing Rome, he used iron. Now, now gold's one type of a metal that's used there. Silver's another. But, for, but they're soft metals. Well, when he symbolizes Rome, he symbolizes Rome with, with iron. I don't know about you, but if I go out into a battle, I don't want to use a golden sword. I, I want an iron or a steel sword that I'm going to have as a weapon there. That's the way he pictured Rome. And, and so Rome knew something about power. But we find that here he says that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God. I'll tell you what, compared to the power of God, the power of Rome is nothing. Compared to the power of God, nuclear power is nothing. And, and contemplate what nuclear power is today and, and what it could do, what, what, what the bombs did in Nagasaki and Hiroshima and and some of the things you see with the, the tests that are taken and the, uh, the descriptions of the damage that could be done if a, a nuclear bomb would be set off. Nuclear power. But far surpassing nuclear power is the power of our God. The word translated power here is the Greek word uh, dunamis. We get the English word dynamite. And the English word dynamo uh, from, from this word dunamis. Well, you think about power, think about dynamite. In fact, even when they measure nuclear power, they talk about uh, the, the explosion of a nuclear bomb being uh, equivalent to so many tons of TNT or whatever, and, and explosive power. Well, here we're talking about the power of God, and the term here 
is talking about might, ability, strength, and uh, we find it, it's not the idea of just authority, but actual power itself. We see the power of God in creation. Look up at the heavens. And how do all those stars get there? God created them. Uh, look at the sun. God created that. Look at the wonders of the heavenly body. How that ever happened? God created it. In fact, our God is sovereign. There's no power in the universe that can hold any Stand up to God whatsoever. He's sovereign. He is above all. He brought it all into existence. Without Him, there's nothing that's made that has been made. And we're talking there about God, the Lord Jesus Christ. He created it all. He's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. And He also has the power to condemn and destroy those who rebel against Him as enemies. And thank the Lord. Our God has another power. And that power is the power to set free and and forgive anyone who comes to him in repentance and faith. Our God has the power to forgive sinners. Our all-holy, righteous, pure God has the power to forgive you and me as sinful people. He can do that. He has the ability to do that. But even in doing that, it costs God something immeasurable. It cost the death of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary to make that happen. And we find that the the good news, the dynamite of God, is the gospel message. It's the words that, that, that tell the truth about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and the fact that we can come to God through Jesus by putting our faith in him. That salvation is by grace through faith alone. That's a powerful message. That's a message that, that, that changed lives. The gospel is God's dynamite, God's dynamo. I'd encourage you, give the gospel out and watch for things to happen. Tell people who Jesus is and what he's done for them and watch for things to take place. You know, the gospel message is, is powerful words. Sometimes people say, we talked about this a little in Sunday school this morning. Some people say, well, 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 there's no power in words. You know, it's, it's just words. Well, I'll tell you what. The words in the gospel are immensely possible, immensely powerful. And what they accomplish in, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 44, it says, while Peter was still speaking, these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard his word. He's speaking words. He's giving out words, words about Christ. Words about the gospel. Over in chapter 11, uh, book of Acts, says, and he told us in verses 13 and 14, told us how he had seen an angel standing in his house who said to him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who will tell you words by which you and all your household will be saved. Aren't you thankful that there are words that are put together in a message, and if you believe those words, you'll believe that message, you'll put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you'll be saved, you'll be redeemed. There's power in in words. I thank God I heard those words as a young boy, that God loved me, that God became a man in the person of Jesus Christ and entered this world to die on a cross and be my Savior, and that, that I, even as sinful as I was at seven years old, and I knew I was a sinner, I was a selfish little thing. I'd been an only child for four years. 
Then I had a brother and sister come along after that, and they messed up my world. And, and, and selfishness reigned supreme in the life of a little seven-year-old. But you know what? I heard those words. I could be forgiven. I could trust Christ as my Savior, and I could become a child of God. And what an amazing message that is. And what a thrill to be able to share that message with other people and see the dynamite of God go to work. They're words, but they're not just words. They're words of truth. They're holy words. They're, they're, they're true words. And when people embrace that message, oh, what it does in their heart, in their life, what a thing it does. We find that the, the purpose of the gospel is in connection with that. It, it, it's the power of God unto what? The, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. It's a message that is designed to save. It's a message that's designed to, to bring people into a right relationship with God. It's a message designed to rescue lost sinners. Uh, it, it, that message rescued Paul, who had persecuted the church. And he ends up becoming the Apostle Paul and, and becomes a church planner, a missionary. We heard a testimony last Sunday night, those of us who were here, uh, of a fellow, Kerry Sinus, the missionary to Grenada, and he shared how when he was a young man, he lived for money. He was in, in the insurance business and, and made a whole lot of money. And then he bought five restaurants and continued to make a whole lot of money. And then he got involved in gambling. And, and by the way, along the way, he, he, he didn't know Christ. And he gave testimony how the fact that he knew something was missing from his life, didn't know what it was, was in all kinds of directions, and, and didn't find it there. And then somebody shared the gospel with him. And he embraced the gospel. He heard those words about Christ's love for him and Christ's death for him and Christ's resurrection as well to prove who he was. And this, this, this fellow ends up trusting Christ as his Savior, gets a whole list of priorities in life. He's been a missionary for, I think, over 20 years at this point. And, you know, we could go on and on this morning. We could take the rest of this hour. And we could stand up one after another, and some would give their own testimony of how how Christ came into your life and saved you. It was the power of God to save you from a path you were on, headed for hell, and he changed you, changed your eternal destiny, changed your outlook on life, changed your whole approach to, to God and to this world. And, and we could have people share their testimonies, and we could share about other people that we've seen embrace Christ as Savior. Thank God. It is the power of God unto salvation. Now, there's a tremendous need for salvation. One of the things that's going to stand out. As we study these, these three chapters, first three chapters in Romans, as Paul paints a, a picture, the Holy Spirit through Paul paints a picture of our great need of salvation. Man's in trouble. You know, man's under the wrath of God. And, and all men are. In fact, down in Romans 3.23, if any of you have learned the Romans road and share the gospel with people using that, What's it say in Romans 3.23? For all have sinned and come short. It's all right, you can fill in. Come short of the glory of God. All have sinned and come short of God's glory. Everyone. There's a tremendous need for salvation. And Paul takes three chapters showing how desperately all men need salvation, how all men need a Savior. We can't save ourselves. We need someone to come into our life and save us and deliver us. Christ is that someone. And that salvation 
What's a salvation? That's salvation from sin. Salvation from the penalty of sin. Salvation from the, the power of sin in our life. One of these days, salvation from the very presence of sin. Uh, if you're here this morning, you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you have been saved. And, and I hope you can look back to a time in your life when, when you put your faith in Christ and you were delivered from the penalty of sin. You weren't always a Christian. And I, I've heard people tell me that. Well, I was born into a Christian home. I've always believed in God. I've always been a Christian. No, you weren't. We need to come to a place in our life where we, we personally take uh, take in the truth of the gospel, repent of our sin, and take Christ to be our Savior. And, and at the moment that happens, the penalty of sin no longer has a hold on us. We're headed for heaven instead of hell. Well, we're, we're God's child, and he's our heavenly father, not our, our judge who's one of these days going to cast us into hell. What a change that takes place. In 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, and verse 10, the, the passage that's up there, it talks about those three tenses of salvation. It says, who, were de who delivered us? When we got saved, we were delivered. And it says, we were delivered us from so great a death, that's eternal death, and does deliver us. Right now we're being delivered from the power of sin, where sin doesn't have to rule in our lives and dominate us. We can, <laughs> we can live for God. We can live for Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit gives us that power and ability. He will produce this fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And lastly, she says, in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. One problem we do have right now is we still have the sin nature, and we still live in a sinful world. So you know what? Sometimes we still sin. But I got good news for you there. The Bible also says if we will confess our sin, that God is faithful and just to what? forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness and we stay in a right relationship with him. One of these days, thank God, we'll be delivered from the very presence of sin. We will not live in a sinful world. We will live in a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And thank God we won't have a sin nature anymore. We will be glorified and we'll be made completely like the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was confident and not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, ready to preach the gospel of Christ, because it is the power of God unto salvation, and what a glorious salvation it is that uh, God takes us on to. We find there's some possibilities here, as far as the, the, the gospel's concerned. He goes on here, and he says, it's the power of God to salvation for who? You got your Bible open? For who? Don't stop with one word. Somebody might say it's the, the power of God to salvation for everyone. That's not true. That's not true. What's it say there? It's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who what? Believes. It's the power of God for everyone who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. Not just everyone. Not everybody's going to heaven. Everybody may want to go to heaven, but not everybody's going there. The only way you get into heaven is through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. And if you have never come to the place in your life where you've embraced Christ to be your own Savior and put your faith in Him, I'm sorry, but you're not going to heaven. Thank God it's not too late. You're still breathing. 
you've got a chance. You can do that today, and I, I would plead with you to do it. If you've got any doubt whatsoever, man, don't live with that doubt because you don't know that you're going to live out the rest of this day. None of us have our next breath guaranteed for us. We could all be gone before we even eat lunch today. Now it could happen. And the only thing that will matter then is whether we know Christ as Savior. The power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. To the Jew, the Jew first, that's simply talking chronologically. Because of the Jews that first got the, the, the gospel, Jesus came to Jerusalem. Jesus came to the Jews. It's not that the Jews are more important than other people. Uh, the, the gospel came through the Jews. And so it's important that the gospel be given to the Jews, and it is. And Paul gave it to the Jews, and Jesus gave it to the Jews. But it's also for, it says here, the Greeks. Uh, the Greeks were everyone that wasn't Jewish. Last week we talked about a passage where we talked about the Greeks and barbarians, where the Greeks thought anybody that didn't know anything about Greek culture, anybody that wasn't a Greek was a barbarian. You know, they, were, they were a nothing. Well, here we find it's going to a couple other possibilities. Jews, and then Greeks, who is anybody else, Gentiles, basically. So we find that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for who? Everyone who believes, the Jew first, also to the Gentiles. It's for everybody. And and you realize that when Christ came, he didn't come to the United States of America. The United States of America wasn't, he didn't come to North America. He went to Israel. Aren't you glad the gospel made it from Israel and got clear over here to North America where you and I, unless you're Marsha Uffelman or another Jewish person here, as Gentiles could also come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Aren't you glad for that? Doesn't that excite you? I'm so glad the apostles took the Great Commission seriously and took the gospel into all the world the best they could. May we continue to do that. The whole world needs the gospel. There's no good news for the world outside of Jesus Christ. No good news that really matters. And there's great news in the person of Christ. We find when it comes to the presentation of the gospel that has to do with revelation, it it, it says, for in it, in the gospel, in the gospel of Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. And as it is written, the just shall live by faith. There's three key words we're going to look at here in, the, in this verse, in verse 17. One is righteousness. The gospel has to do with righteousness. The gospel is about God being revealed. And when God is revealed and we see God for who he is, the world today would probably say the, the most important thing about God is, is that when you see him, he's love. He's love. I'll tell you what, you better also see along with the fact that God is love, that God is righteous. Our God is righteous. Our God is holy. Our God must judge sin. Our God has to judge sin. And the righteousness of God is, is, is revealed. And that, that's part of the gospel. When we see how righteous and holy God is, and we see how wicked and sinful we are, but then the, the good news is concerning the righteousness of God is that that righteousness that's talked about here is not just the righteousness of God that causes him and compels him to judge sin. Martin Luther said that that's what really troubled him when he considered the matter of the righteousness of God. 
it, it, because he knew he wasn't righteous and he knew that God and his righteousness were going to have to judge him and, and he had no peace in that. But then Luther came to understand what he's talking about here. And here's the good news, folks. Here's the great news. Here's the gospel news. This God who is so righteous and holy wants to give you and me as sinful people his righteousness. He wants to make us as righteous in his eyes as is his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. We can be as righteous in the eyes of God as Jesus is. So, well, man, I could never, I could never live that good of a life to be that right. That's right, you can't. That's why God imparts it to you. That's why God imputes it to you. That's why God gives it to you. That's why it's a free gift that he presents to us in his grace. That's the only way we can have it. And you know what? The good news is God's done that. He's given it to us. And we find the other key word is faith. It's faith. How do you get that gift? How do you get that righteousness from God? How can you have that? What's it say? It has to do with faith. Faith to faith. What he's saying here in that phrase, faith to faith, he says it's all about faith. And then he goes on, he quotes the book of Habakkuk, where it says, the just shall live by faith. How do you, and then it's the third word, life. How do you get this eternal life from God that we have to be as righteous as God in order to get? We get it by faith. The gospel has to do with righteousness. The gospel has to do with faith. And we find that receiving the gospel results in life. There it is. The just shall live, have life by faith. And the good news is, even after we've trusted Christ and we've received eternal life, what's that promise in John 3, 16? God so loved the world, gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believes in him won't perish, but what? Have everlasting life. Jesus said he came into the world that we might have life, have it more abundantly, everlasting life, eternal life. It's a gift to all who believe. We find that those who've received eternal life by faith continue to walk in faith. You know, it's great to be able to look back to when we trusted Christ as Savior and received him by faith, but you know, that's not just history. We have the wonderful prospect of going through our life today, living in this world that we live in that's dominated by sin, and we can keep walking by faith. How do you handle the trials that come along? How do you handle the difference? Just keep trusting God. Just keep trusting Jesus. And know who we're trusting. We're trusting that one who is willing to leave heaven behind and become a man for us. We're trusting that one who is willing to give himself on Calvary's cross and become sin for us that we, <laughs> we might be made. We might become the righteousness of God in him. We can walk. By faith. That's what Habakkuk was all about. Habakkuk had, to, had some questions for God. He didn't understand why, why God didn't judge the, the uh, wickedness there in, in Judah. And God said, well, I am going to judge the wickedness in Judah. I got the Babylonians ready to come over and conquer you guys. And Habakkuk, well, how can you do that? How can you send these wicked people to conquer we Jews? How can you do that? And, and, and God explains to him that. Well, he doesn't give him really a, a long explanation. But God shows him how he's got a plan. And he also shows Habakkuk his own glory and his own wonder. And the one thing he tells Habakkuk, he says, the just shall live by his faith. 
one of the things we do is we go through this life and we know Christ is Savior. No matter what's going on in our life, we keep trusting Him. We keep trusting Christ. we got a great, great way to live. We can be confident in the gospel. Does Paul look forward to going to Rome? He can say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes the Jew first, also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. we got a great gospel. We can be confident in the gospel for our own salvation. If you're here this morning, you got any doubts as to whether you're ready for heaven or not, or whether when you leave this world, God's going to take you to glory, or whether you're going to go to hell. Good news. Good news. Here's the gospel, folks. Christ died for your sins, according to the Scripture. He rose again the third day. And if you'll put your trust in him, he'll give you life. He'll give you eternal life. He'll give you forgiveness. But you've got to make that, that one step to take Christ as your own personal Lord and Savior. And we can also be confident in Jesus as we live our lives and be confident about sharing him with others as well. I, I wish I could talk to that young lady, Kathy. Did I tell you she was smart? I'd, I'd like to see her now and see where she's in her, you know, in this life. If she's still alive here, I don't know. I haven't seen her since then. And, well, I haven't seen her since we got out of school anyway. And I don't have any idea what's become of her. But I'd have a, like to have another opportunity. Oh, maybe God will give it to me someplace along the way. Who knows? The life is strange, isn't it? And God does some amazing things. How great it would be for me to be able to share with her. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. In fact, it's the power of God unto salvation, the salvation you need if you haven't already received it. It's kind of neat when I went back for a high school reunion a few years back. I did find some of my classmates that, man, I never thought they'd become Christians, but you know what? They had. You know, it's exciting to see how God works in hearts and lives, and he works in hearts and lives through the gospel. And you and I get to handle that, that TNT of God that dynamite of God. And we get to share that with other people. And sometimes it's nice to just sit it out there, share a little bit about the gospel with somebody, light the fuse, stand back, see what happens. You know, it's fun setting off fireworks, isn't it? Light the fuse, stand back, boom. How much more fun is it to light the fuse of the gospel, the TNT of God, stand back and watch God work. Heavenly Father, thank you for using your power, your awesome power, with which you could have destroyed us the first instant that we sinned. Thank you for using your awesome power to provide a salvation for us so that we as sinners could live in your presence and glory forever and ever and ever. And we can have a relationship with you right here, right now, because of what your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, has done for us on the cross of Calvary. Father, we thank you for him. Thank you for Jesus, who is the gospel. Help us to faithfully trust in him through every day of our lives. If there's anybody with us who's never taken him as Savior, we pray they might do that even this morning. And Father, we pray that you would help us to be faithful, to tell others the good news, to tell others about Jesus. We'll give you the praise and glory for it in his name. Amen. Would you take your hymnal again, please, or you can use the words.